Welcome back, everyone, to Aspire, the Leadership Development Podcast, where we will be discussing the visions, inspirations, and experiences from top educational leaders. My name is Joshua Stamper, and you can connect with me on Twitter or on Instagram at Joshua double underscore Stamper. Welcome back, everyone, to the Aspire Top 5 Reading Recommendations, and I have a special guest with me today, someone who is a Teach Better ambassador and been in the Aspire Voxer group for might have been one of the first people I put in there. And she's just an amazing leader, someone who just got promoted to a principal position, which we're going to talk about a little bit. And then we're going to hear about her top five reading recommendations. And this is my special guest, Michelle Papa. Michelle, how are you? Very well, Joshua. Thank you so much for having me. I am super honored to be talking with you today. Oh, it's always been an honor to speak with you every single time. You bring so much value to our Voxer group, and I'm looking forward to your top five reading recommendations, and I know it was hard because you are an avid reader. Yes, as we were discussing, I am kind of addicted to reading leadership and education books, so I have a large deck next to my bed and a lot of books on deck, so it was challenging to pick um, five, but I think I have done that. <laughs> You're not like Greg Moffat where you have like a box of books on your desk right now, right? There's a box of books, uh, two boxes filled with books because I'm packing up my office right now to move there you go. my new district in about a week and a half. No, I, I think I was able to whittle it down to five for today's conversation at the very least. That's awesome. <laughs> and congratulations on your promotion. Thank you so much. Yes, I've been um, an English teacher for quite a while and then a high school assistant principal for the past five years. And recently I learned that I will be serving as a principal of a middle school in a neighboring district. So I'm very, very proud to take on that role and excited to serve that new community. Well, and that community is so lucky to have you. So let's talk about your top five. I know this was tough. So if you will, what's your first book? Sure, and and certainly in no particular order. But my first one is a popular one. It is Start With Why by Simon Sinek. This book is kind of one of those, I think it's moved to one of those quintessential leadership books, even though it's somewhat recent. And Simon talks about just how leaders can inspire others. And I really interpret the book to be about core values, our purpose and our beliefs as leaders. One of the biggest ideas that Simon Sinek talks about is this concept of the golden circle and our why being at the very center of that circle, followed by the how, and then lastly, the what. Something else that Simon Sinek says in the book is that people don't buy what you do, they buy why you do it. And and although in educational leadership, we're not necessarily selling something in the idea that maybe a corporation would, we are still looking for commitment from our students and our staff and our families that comes and that stems from this center of why, why are we here? And that's certainly for our students. Simon also talks about leading with our gut. And I know that some of the most influential leaders share that they go with their guts from military generals to CEOs, politicians, you know, as school leaders, our goal is to foster a shared vision that we lean on and uh, that we use to inspire and empower our students and each other. You know, when we think about all we've been through in the past several months, over a year, you know, I think it's, we've noticed some gaps in leadership, right? Where maybe people were exposed in a way they didn't have that core, that why. And so that's why I love the book because it just reminds us to rest on those beliefs and those core values. And so true. And you're right, this year we've had to really say our why, right? Because a lot of things were brand new as far as systems and procedures that we've never experienced before. And so even though we're not selling a product, we are selling a vision and a mission and this year, safety. And when things go haywire, you know, I had a, an advisor in my educational leadership prep program in college that said, when all else fails, 
rest on your core values. So if we can, if we can figure out who we really are and why we became educators and uh, what our goals are for ourselves and our students and communities, I think in the end, we'll, we'll always end up okay. What a great first book to start with. So what is book number two? Okay. Book number two, uh, many of our guests and listeners will know is What Great Principles Do Differently by Todd Whitaker. And he has written, oh my goodness, I think it's over 50 books at this point and served as pretty much every role in, a, in an educational setting. And he, he became a high school principal at the age of 25. So I would say he is quite the expert on the principalship. Yes. And it's actually a pretty short book, but it's just packed. And so I'll try to give just a few of the key points. You know, he starts out by just sharing just how blessed we all are to work in education. And, and I couldn't agree more. You know, we stop and think of the impact and the honor that we have to work with kids in this capacity. I mean, we, you know, I think everyone's goal in life is to do something that changes the world. And, and we have that opportunity yeah. every day when we wake up. So I think, you know, that Todd Whitaker points that out. It's just an amazing way to start the book. So he's, he's a huge advocate and supporter of teachers. He believes that if educational leaders take care of teachers, then teachers will take good care of students. I can't agree more. He uh, subscribes to the idea that the power of positivity will get us very, very far. And that if we can kind of treat everyone as if they are good and wanting to do good, then we, we will get, you know, those positive results that we're looking for. Mm -hmm. He does place a lot of responsibility on the principal role. He says that the principal sets the tone for the school and he puts the onus on the principal. Funny quote that he has from the book is that when the principal sneezes, everyone catches a cold Yeah. because, you know, people are watching. I actually was meeting with the person that's going to be replacing me in my, my current assistant principal role. And one of the things I mentioned to him is I said, you know, whether you like it or not, people are watching and listening. And that goes for our students, our staff, and our, our parents and our community members. Everyone's looking to see how we behave, who we are, and what moves we're going to make. And, and so that's so important. We have to understand our impact. And that's a huge responsibility that we've taken on. Something else that he talks about in the book is that the most important thing is people and not programs. And so Tim Cavey, who's another member of our Aspire Leadership Group, and I had the opportunity to actually interview Todd Whitaker a couple of days ago on the Teachers on Fire show and podcast. Todd mentioned that, you know, we can we can have any program we want. You know, right now, what are the, you know, the things that are coming out is, you know, social and emotional learning is a huge thing. But if yep. we don't have the people in place to deliver those programs and we're not pouring into them first to make that impact on our students, that the program will fail. So, you know, as I kind of wrap up about what great principals do differently, I have to throw in the shameless plug that the reason that Tim and I interviewed Todd is because we are starting a summer reading study of what great principals do differently. And we're doing it via Voxer. So if any of the listeners want to join us, if they haven't already, I know some have, but um, you could reach out to us on Voxer and we'll be happy to put you in the group or even on Twitter and uh, I think LinkedIn. Well, Michelle, I'm so excited about the book study. I'm also joining in. It's amazing. Uh, Todd Whitaker is just phenomenal. I, I can't say enough wonderful things about that man. I had the honor and privilege of having him on the Aspire podcast, and I'm so excited to jump in, back into that book. I read it a long time ago. It was the, actually the very first book that was handed to me by my principal to read when I said that I was going to go into my master's program, and it was so powerful. Looking forward to go, going back to that text and, of course, you know, hearing all of the amazing responses from those who are participating I know you guys, like you said, have interviewed Todd this last weekend, and so that's on YouTube, and that's with Tim Cavey and Teachers on Fire. So definitely look that up, and then if they want to get a hold of either Tim or yourself to participate in that book study, how might they do that? 
my Twitter is at mpapa.edu and my Voxer is, I think it's mpapa80. But, you know, if you find us either place, we'll, we, have, uh, we can both drop in the Voxer group. Well, definitely join both of us for that. And I think that's a wonderful book for book number two. I Honestly, I don't know how you're going to beat that, Michelle, but um, I, know. I know you got three more books. So what's book number three? So book number three, um, this is a very, very important book. It's called Why Are All the Black Kids Sitting Together in the Cafeteria? And this yep. is by Dr. Beverly Tatum. The book was actually written in 1997, and there is still such a need to have these conversations about culturally responsive education and culturally relevant education. Yes. And I know you agree that, you know, we all have to do more to understand all of our students. And the only way all of our students are going to be able to succeed is if we're making that effort. So this book is just so eye-opening. Dr. Tatum shares experiences of her own, of her family, and of her students. Some of the things she goes into, she describes the stages of racial identity for both students of color and white students, and then the differences there. Specifically, one of the points that Dr. Tatum makes is that racial stereotypes often do not promote academic achievement. Mm -hmm. So some of the students that we have might struggle with that. A really great thing that she says in the book is the only way to bridge the gap is to talk about race. Yep. And so it's really that first step that these important conversations have to occur, especially among educators. So it's definitely a text I would recommend to all educators, no matter what your role. And it's when the adults start participating in this work and modeling it for our students that our students will realize that it's a priority as well if they haven't already. Yeah. And that's so important is being comfortable enough to come to the table to have the conversation. And that's kind of what our conversation with our own campus is like, this is obviously a need. There's the data shows that things need to be different. And so the first step, of course, is to come to the table and, and to have those conversations. Yeah. And our campus, my, in my current position, we have a diversity committee, you know, both students of color and our LGBTQ community. That's something that they've expressed is that they, they just want, you know, people to, to start to have the conversations and just um, educate themselves. And, they're, and the, these students aren't looking for punishment half the time when they report things to me as the assistant principal um, in the past. They're just wanting, you know, change. And so it starts with the, with the coming to the table, like you said. Yeah. And having those student voices is so important, too, of because course. a lot of times it's mm -hmm. wanting to have conversations with the adults, but we need to make sure that we also have students participating in, in those important conversations. For sure. That, that's an amazing text, by the way. So yeah, definitely recommend is. that book. So glad that you brought that onto this episode. This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. You can find out more at teachbetter.com slash podcast. Now let's get back to the episode. All right. I'm ready if you are for book number four. Uh, it's called The Leadership Challenge by James Cousins and Barry Posner. It's kind of like a field guide for every aspect of leadership, not just educational leadership. And it's a bit long at nearly 400 pages, but I promise it is so worth it. And what Kuzis and Posner talk about are the five practices of exemplary leadership. And so when I did my educational leadership prep program six or seven years ago now, it was an important text. And, and we learned this mnemonic device called MyC. And so I'll just quickly go through what, what each of those stand for. The first is model the way, and it's about clarifying your values and finding your own voice as a leader, and then affirming those shared values in others, setting the example for others, and supporting those we lead. And that's you know our students and our staff, and uh, supporting them on their journey of discovering their values. So that's the M. The I is for inspiring a shared vision, envisioning the future, and enlisting others to animate that vision with us as leaders. The C is to challenge the process, 
So it's up to us to search for those opportunities to seize the initiative. We should create, be creating cultures of experimentation and taking risks, but celebrating wins and then learning from maybe some of those failures as well. And uh, just bringing all those experiences together, but being those advocates and challenge and challenging as needed. Next, the first E is enable others to act. So um, this is all about collaboration, creating a climate of trust. We always talk about relationships being number one, and this is where this falls, and then building that capacity in others. And then lastly, deals with encouraging the heart, the last E in my C. So recognizing contributions of our team members, uh, having and expecting the best, but high and clear expectations for those that we work with our students and our staff and communities. I love uh, when Brene Brown says that clear is kind. Being clear about what we what we are all doing together is, is so important. And then creating that sense of community and being personally involved in that community as the leader. So the book is just so packed with concrete suggestions for compelling leadership in any organization, but definitely applicable to school leadership. I love it. I have not read this book, so I'm writing this down so I can check it out. <laughs> Because I have not read the Leadership Challenge. So Leadership Challenge, yep. Definitely mm-hmm. gonna get that one and make sure I check out My C's. Is that what you said? My C's. My, my C. And I don't know if that's how it's taught to everybody, but that's how our one professor who's like sort of the leader of our program, M-I-C-E-E. And so when I, I actually still seven years later will access, especially model the way. Like when I'm kind of lost, I'll be like, okay, model the way, model the way. You know, it's just kind of something that sticks out and sticks with you. I like that. Yeah. All right. I can't believe right. it, but we're already at the end. Book number five. Bringing it home. So this one is maybe not so well known, but to me was a, um, a game-changing book called Eyes Are Never Quiet. And it's by Michael McKnight and Dr. Lori Desitel. So I know, Josh, that if you haven't already, this would be a book that would be very near and dear to you because if you haven't read it, it's, it's about trauma-informed education mm-hmm. and adverse childhood experiences. So this book was given to my husband. He is uh, an educational leader as well, and he is um, very involved in uh, human human trafficking prevention. He's actually the president of the New Jersey Coalition Against Human Trafficking. And he was at an event. He heads up the education committee as well. He's a co-chair of that. He was at an event, and uh, one of his uh, members of his committee gave him the book. And I really just kind of looked it over and I don't know, just was compelled to read it, had never heard of it. So it was by chance that I dug into this book and boy, am I glad that I did. Um, You know, we spend so much time, effort and resources on response to intervention for academics. And, you know, I've seen your presentations, as you know, 60% of children have experienced an adverse childhood experience by the time they get to us. So this book just blows your mind up on on what really um, possibly can be going on with our students. So one of my favorite things that the authors say is your ability to be able to accurately see what is underneath a student's troubling surface behavior is the source of your most effective interventions. Um, and they just talk about what stress and trauma actually does to the brain. Yeah. You know, and, and as adults, we tend to be pretty well adjusted, most of us, right? Like, we can we can respond to things when we have stress and anxiety that are going on, but children don't have those parts of their brain developed yet. Nope. And so, you know, the authors talk about this idea of being frozen in the trauma. And then, you know, unfortunately, the, the, our students can be in this constant state of fight or flight. Um, something that I really take away from this book that I that I reference a lot is this quote. I think it's Dr. Desitel says it, brains in pain cannot learn. So if we cannot address a student's most immediate needs of feeling safe 
and supported and happy, we can't teach them. And that's sort of the overarching idea in this book. So it provides a background, but also a whole host of preventative strategies and interventions, like concrete things that we can do for our students and and ways that we can train teachers to do these things and implement them in their classrooms, regardless of the program. You know, in the current role that I'm in as an assistant principal, the, the, the campus I'm at, we have a behavioral disabilities program. Although some of these students have been through so much um, and have been in my office a, a lot, and maybe not for the best reasons, I know you can identify with that, Josh. Yeah. You know, yeah. some of the, those same students are the ones that when they leave and when they walk across that stage, they come back here and they cry and they thank us, thank us, and they say, you, you just have the best bonds with them because you looked at them for who they are. You listen to them. They feel heard and value. And isn't that just the basic need that we all have and what everybody wants. Especially, you know, as we come back, I, I, you probably feel the same way as, you know, a lot of our students have gone through trauma just in the past year and a lot of loss has occurred. So, you know, how are we going to integrate these students back into the classroom and into social situations and adversity and how are we going to support them in, in their emotional needs in addition to the academic piece? And um, this book is obviously a wonderful resource for that. I, uh, well, as you were speaking, I was putting it in my Amazon cart and, and purchased it. So <laughs> great. I've, You're going to love it. I've seen the cover. I, I know of the book. Um, I just haven't actually gone out and purchased it. So that's probably a good segue to let everyone know that for these books or any of the books from the previous episodes, they're always in the show notes and there's links to purchase those books. So make sure that you take the time to read some of these over the summer. Obviously, I think that's the, a wonderful book to end on. So Michelle, thank you so much for providing such amazing resources to our audience and just for your impact that you make every single day in the Boxer Group and with other educational leaders. Joshua, thank you so much for having me. As a longtime listener, I can't even believe you asked me to join you and I am just so humbled. You know, it's been such a privilege to talk to you today. So thank you.